0: Okay, well, we'll let's go ahead and get started. Good morning. It's really nice to see you guys. I'm sad this class is over. I'm not sad that I don't have to be up here anymore, but (laughs) I am sad this class is over. I've really gotten a lot out of it and enjoyed my time with my people, so thank you for that. Um, Before we get going, plug for refresh. It's going to be really neat. Um, November 4th, 7 to 8.30. Um, it's music this time, and lots of people from our church will be sharing their musical talents. We'll talk about worshiping together. Jen Krabbenhoft is giving a nice talk. So, And plus there's like really good snacks because Carrie <laughs> Knott is in charge of it, and she's amazing. So, yeah, she's good. So, come. It'll be nice. It's free. It's great. You can fill one of these out and put it in the basket, and or you can just come. So, it'll be cool. Okay. So... <laughs> Last day, lots of book left. So this is how it's going to go. My plan is to cover the rest of the book today in like 20 minutes. So it's a lot. I'm going to be skimming. I'm going to be missing um, important material. I just am. But as a bribe for listening to me talk a little bit longer than normal and also... A lot of things. I brought treats for later. So please listen with that in mind and have a good heart. And also, please take them because I can't take that home. Um, okay, so we're going to start with engaging grief, but before we do, let's pray because I need to. So, Father God, thank you so much for the really great sermon this morning, the music, and the chance to be together with these ladies. Lord, you have just blessed us beyond all that we deserve so, so many times over and we're so grateful and we love you and just our prayer is out of that love, Lord, that we glorify you in all that we do. Um, Please be with us as we talk about some heavy topics and uh, fill in all the holes that I leave. We love you so much, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so um, for grief, gonna be honest I struggled like a lot in preparing for this I'm terrified it is a heavy heavy topic grief and I am really scared of not saying the right thing um, saying something that will offend you or hurt you further or not the right thing Um, but thankfully this is not dependent on me and God can use very weak vessels so that's my prayer um, I'm just gonna pray that he fills in the gaps and that you can have grace. So here we go um, The book defines grief as a loss of something important to us and obviously the bigger the loss uh, the greater and the deeper the pain Every person in this room has had some sort of grief in their lives uh, Not everyone obviously has been touched the same way. There's going to be deeper griefs than others Um so whether you're in the midst of a really thick and deep grief right now, um, maybe you're struggling to cope still later in the process, you maybe want to be prepared for the inevitable, or um, you're wanting to know like how to walk with someone in grief in a way that honors God. I just think there's a lot in this chapter for all of us, no matter where we are. Um, We talk a lot in this class about how we live in a broken and post-fall of man world, and God really does give us a lot of answers for how to walk through this life without being overpowered by it, which I think is important when we're talking about grief. It's an overpowering emotion. Um, Grief itself points back to God being deeply hurt in the loss of a good friend or a family member or a special memento the ability to move your body the way you want to, a wayward child, any of that shows that we were first given something good from a God who is good. So our grief can turn from like an inward devastation and meditation to an outward lament like we've talked about in weeks past. Um, Like in our lament, we can ask God to come and make this world whole again. And I think that is a very holy grieving, right? Grief itself is not wrong. So grief is the experience of loss, which sounds super simple, but it's absolutely not. It is not cut and dry. Uh, The thing about grief is it's not just being sad. Um, The book talks about like a picture frame Like, grief is a picture frame that frames all of the different things that you might feel when you're experiencing grief. Um, Or they talk about, like, remember how Christy talked about our emotions being like paint, right, out of the paint bucket? And they said it's like a swirling collage of different colors of emotions being framed and titled grief. There's just so much to it. It's not black and white. Um, There's anger, sadness, laziness, hopelessness, denial, confusion. Um, There's relief sometimes even. There's guilt. Uh, The point is, like, and I fall into this trap for sure, we can't assume that just because we've gone through a similar experience that we can just totally relate to somebody else in that experience because grief is so diverse. Um, When my husband and I walked through Uh, grief and loss together I remember like sometimes it felt like I was living with a stranger or like even like an alien like it was just hard to understand at that time that we were walking through the exact same scenario with our child but we dealt with it like so differently there's a reason I think that divorce rates are so high after a big loss it's astronomically high Mm -hmm. We can't assume that people grieve the same way we do. And that's a hard lesson, but it's crucial to know that other people's grief, even if it's different, is still valid. Maybe that was just me, but that was a, a, big, a big lesson for me and it has helped me in coming alongside other people too. Um, when we are coming alongside other people, just have patience and also assume the best of them it's not wrong to speak truth to them but also remember that everybody deals with things at a different pace especially a loss Um, and on the flip side of it if you are the one who's dealing with grief make sure you speak it Uh, we can't like expect others again this is from experience you can't expect others to know how you're feeling and to show you compassion if you aren't being open and honest with where you are in your grief And I've found that reconnection and healing happens when we share the loss with people that love us and um, can connect through that, if that makes sense. Um, Another awesome word picture that the book used when it talked about more um, in the engaging process of grief was it says that, every loss is a broken connection. It's not just a loss of that thing, it's a loss of the connections of it. So like if you think of your life as a web, like a spider web of um, connected like people and events and things, and then grief is what you experience when one of those things gets ripped out of the web. Like it's not just like a, a snipping of one strand, right? It leaves like a gaping hole in that web and the threads that were connected to that thing are also left dangling. So, and also the things that were supported by that thing are also weakened. So whether you've lost like um, a job or your health or your status or someone you've cared about, you become untethered to this thing that gave meaning to not just your day but your life, to multiple aspects of your life. So engaging your grief means you're reconnecting to those things, but you have to find a different way to do that, and that's hard. Um, It's really important to stay engaged with the grief. I feel like um, it's easy just to let grief take you wherever it wants to go, if that makes sense. It's easy to get lost in it and to be tossed side to side from it and really retreat in it. Um, That's why this book is so helpful. You have to keep looking at it, keep analyzing it, keep questioning it, keep praying about it, keep talking about it, and making sure always that your grief is pointing back to God who loves you so much. Um, one way the Bible, like practically, sug- or one way the book practically suggests that we can do this, we can engage our grief, is by letting David be our companion. Um, I don't know, it's easy for me to forget that David was not just this fictional character, right? He was a real man who walked this earth and did some really stupid things and also some really amazing things. Um, And God gives his story to us so prominently, right? Um, So just, I wanted to read a couple things he wrote first. So in Psalm 55, he says, My heart is in anguish within me the terrors of death have fallen upon me fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me um i remember feeling like i couldn't find the words in the the beginning if that makes sense i just didn't have the words and it's so cool that we can read things like that right from from this book from god take the words and bring his exact words to our father and raise up our own lament to God using his words. It's super helpful if you're struggling to find them. I've also used Psalm 31 um, as a help to um, put words to my lament. When he says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Like, that's a man acquainted with sorrow, right? Um, Whatever losses we experience, you can find the Bible just full of words to help us both examine and express our sorrow. God knows our grief. He knows what it is to be suffering the deepest of losses. I love that we don't have an unsympathetic high priest. That's such a gift um, we have instead a book that is chock-full of loss and grief and absolute redemption right we can use God's Word to do all of those things the book suggests to examine to define and to lament so don't neglect that amazing tool that you have on your bedside table if you're struggling with grief um, if you're walking with someone with grief, which we have all done and will continue to do in this world, um, it's not wrong to make them want to feel better. We care about them. That's a good thing. Um, but try not to think of it as trying to make it better. Try to think of it as like being a companion with them in their journey, not just a fixer. That's not going to work. Um, don't tell them to feel one way or the other. Remind them that they're able to feel one way one day and a different day the next or even multiple ways in the same day. It's super helpful to be silent, like a lot of silence. Um, it's okay to offer truth occasionally and gently if needed. If you see your friend really going down a sinful rabbit trail that's okay to offer a gentle guide back to it but just don't reprimand be kind be compassionate remember where they are and what you don't understand Um, and remember that they're not just dealing with the loss of something they're dealing with that loss connection in the web which encompasses a lot so there's just a lot you won't understand or know so give grace there and then there's one last portion of grief which is kind of like elephant in the room since we're in church. Um, As Christians, we know that we're not to grieve as the world grieves, right? That's really true and praise God for it. But before we talk about that aspect, I just want to reiterate that we don't just gloss over the emotion of devastation, right? We don't paste on like a good Christian smile and act like nothing bothers us because we love Jesus and we have hope in God, so it's all okay. We've learned like a million times over, but I feel like it bears repeating, emotions are not inherently evil, right? Um, Grief is a symptom of evil in this world. And so it's an appropriate response to its brokenness. We feel it, we just have to be sure to engage it appropriately. And one of the most important parts of that is we can engage loss with hope, right? That's huge. Paul says we will not grieve as others do who have no hope. So if you're finding that you have no relief or no hint that things will ever get better or you're walking with someone who expresses that, um, that's a clue that you're grieving without hope. And you need to connect with what is true about our hope in Jesus Christ. Also, biblical counseling. is just so, so good and so, so helpful. Um, But we can rest in the truth that Jesus has conquered death and all loss, right? Um, He will ultimately heal and restore everything. So no matter when we feel grief, not just the loss of someone important things, you'll feel grief even over things that are small. We need to remember that if we belong to Christ, loss never has the final word. Um, The one who loves us, he overcame death and loss and gives us the power and love even in the midst of our deepest grief. He gives us not just the words to say, but he also gives us the power to do it. So in that emotion, Praise God, call to him because he hears and he understands and he does comfort. So we don't don't grieve without hope. So that was a really, really quick overview of a really big emotion. (laughs) Reread the chapter. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. There's so many good books in our library here, our resource center (laughs) for you to take. If this is something you struggle with, please don't let my words be the end of it. And let's move on to another fun topic, which is engaging guilt and shame. Um, important. It's more important than I would have realized, too. Um, I've had different people tell me this is a big struggle for them. And so don't count it out. Even if it's not a big struggle for you, it, it might be for your friend or your sister or whoever, you know. So it's valuable. Um, So let's start by defining them because they seem like the same thing and they are very related but they're not the same. So guilt says I've done something wrong. Shame says something is wrong with me and others can see it. There are often two dimensions of the same event. For example, when I was a little girl, I don't know, maybe like five, maybe less, um, we did uh, the annual Easter egg hunt at my grandma's house super fun with all my cousins um we were always given like a set amount of eggs that you were allowed to find right um i had found my set amount but then like i can close my eyes and i can picture it even in my grandma's bush there was like the biggest most beautiful golden egg none of my cousins had spotted it and i quickly looked around went over took one of my eggs out of my basket and put the beautiful golden egg in the basket, turned around with my prize and saw my uncle had been watching me the entire time. He then, which I have forgiven him for, he then loudly announced to the whole group, everyone needed to stop and hear that I was cheating and then made me return it for my little cousin to find. So in that moment, I felt both guilt and shame, right? Guilt because he was right. I had definitely cheated and shame because I was a cheater and now everybody knew it. Clearly that made an impression on me because <laughs> it was a long time ago, and I remember it very, very clearly. And there have definitely been other examples of guilt and shame in my life, not just that one. But I do think that was probably my first realization of those emotions, and it affected me. And I rem- it affected me for years, right? Um, so as with fear and anger and grief, guilt and shame can actually be very valuable if they're telling the truth. If I have sinned, guilt and shame can help me see that, right? When those emotions identify problems, then wrongs can be righted and sins can be brought to light and also greater understanding of personal idols I think can be uncovered. Um, guilt can also be like a guardrail when to show us when we're acting against God or even our neighbor Uh, It doesn't tell us also that we're unable to do the right thing. Um, It tells us just that we failed to do so. So it's not a hopeless emotion. It can move us to repentance. It can move us to reconciliation with God. And even shame can be good. Um, If guilt hasn't done the job, then sometimes the fear of being caught, or in my case, actually being caught, can be the thing that finally gets us to repent. Um, our church has recently had a number of examples in the, of this in action, and it's so, so tough, but I do think it's a way to see how shame can be helpful. Um, Paul hoped that guilt and shame would work that way in the Corinthian church. In first Corinthians, we learned that he commands that an unrepentant man be set outside the community, but the ultimate hope and prayer is that the public shaming will bring about reconciliation and repentance, right? Once he does repent, they are immediately to forgive and restore him to community. So that shame can lead to a repentance that ultimately saves his soul. It's a big deal. Um, It's worth mentioning, though, guilt can be warped, right? If guilt is warped, it becomes self-condemnation. It tells us that no forgiveness is possible. When shame is warped, it becomes self-loathing. If we allow these emotions to be our identity, which I think these emotions are some that easily can become our identity, more than a lot of other ones sometimes. Um, If we allow that, then it's like we feel we can't remove this stain. It makes us feel um, damaged or defiled and less than anyone else, and that's not the truth, right? Um, One way you can test to see if your guilt and shame has been warped, if we um, see that we're hiding them, we can hide guilt and shame even from ourselves very effectively. We can use denial, we can use escapism, um, and that might look like avoiding people that we normally enjoy being with because they bring up that feeling, or indulging in activities that produce pleasant feelings so we don't have to feel the unpleasant feeling of guilt or shame. Again, if we don't make it a practice to identify, examine, and engage our emotions, guilt and shame can super easily hide under a lot of things. Again, more than a lot of other emotions, they're really good at hiding and burrowing in and affecting us even really before we can do it. So just keep in yes. mind. Um, if guilt and shame are, a f- like, it's not even affecting, it's eating, right? If it's eating at you right now, or if there's a sin that you're persisting in and you're not dealing with it head on, there's really good news, right? You can turn from your sin, you're forgiven, you're restored, and it's full, right? It is not just a little bit, not just caveat on how you behave. It's full forgiveness and restoration. I like to think about what Jesus said to the Pharisees when they were upset that he was, like, kind of with the, the guilty and the shameful, right? I like to think about those two stories he talked about. He told the first one was the one where um, God was the shepherd of the hundred sheep, and one of, had wandered off, you remember that one? Um, and he leaves them to go find the one who wandered and he didn't like yell at it or berate it or shame it. He picks it up and puts it on his shoulders and carries it lovingly back to the flock. And then when they're restored, he rejoices with his neighbors, right? Over the one that was lost and is now found. And then in the second story um it was the one with the women the woman with the ten coins who loses one it doesn't just say oh well it's just one right she she does what we do she turned on a light and just started sweeping and scrubbing and she tirelessly looked until she found that coin and then she invites her friends and neighbors over to rejoice and then jesus says and this like gives me chills Jesus says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's like so much joy and so much relief if you're someone who struggles with this, or even not. It's just so much joy that we have a God that loves us so well and so completely. So if guilt is like niggling at you, which my husband told me was not a real word, but I'm still using it. (laughs) Niggling, yeah, it's a good one. We all understand yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's a good word for it. It's niggling. Um, if guilt is niggling at you, remember what your true identity is. We are children of the only true and kind God, and when we sin, we're not changing our identity. We're just acting against our identity. Our sin is not who we are. Christ is. Christ is our identity. He loves you, and he says so many times, you belong to me. That's amazing. We belong to him. Um, Do talk about your guilt. Don't hide it. Confess it. Allow that guilt and shame to drive us into the light of Christ. We can trust him. We can trust him with it. We can trust him to be faithful, to work in us, and it will have a lot of benefit to your soul. And praise him that when we repent and turn from our sin, forgives us and he loves us and he rejoices over the one that is lost and is now found so good talked for a long time just a little bit more I promise the book ends with a chapter called a museum of tears it's such a good chapter it's so comforting it's worth a reread or a first time read if you just skipped it because you were just excited to be done with emotions it's worth it Um, its premise Is that in heaven it's not that we won't be capable of tears it's that there won't be a reason to cry Um, it says in Isaiah no more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress God's final coming means that tears will no longer be needed and then I'm gonna paraphrase Isaiah 65 and just enjoy these promises our children will not be in danger everyone will live out a fullness of days which is eternal life There will be a perfect blessing on our work and on our leisure. Nothing will threaten our peace or happiness. Families will be together forever without rebellion, separation, or tragedy. God will be in immediate contact with us and never distant. Danger and death and pain and injury and evil will vanish forever. That's just like, let that comfort wash over you, right? If you are God's child... This is your future. The suffering we feel on earth, it feels so heavy sometimes. But we have to keep our eyes on eternity and remember that it's actually a light and momentary affliction compared to what we get to experience in the glory of heaven. Like, doesn't your soul just want to cry out, come Lord Jesus? That's, I just think that through that whole chapter. I'm so excited for him <coughs> to come. Um, The title of the chapter is called Museum of Tears, and this was an interesting concept I hadn't thought about before because we won't just forget our pain on earth. The scars from this life will be glorious and we'll be more joyful and thankful for the memory of them. Like We'll remember what we suffered and be so glad and thankful that we no longer live under sin and that because of Jesus' death and suffering and triumph over death, that we get to look back on our pain with joy in heaven. So find rest in that. Um, Find a way to run the sometimes very difficult race of this life with endurance because of that. Um, And just use it to engage your emotions in a way that honors God. And don't ever forget your hope in heaven and your true identity as a child of God. It's everything. Okay, so if you don't mind, I'll pray, and then we can break up into groups. Oh, Lord God, thank you so much. Your promises are good and true and beautiful, and I just pray that every one of us in this room feels them, feels them deep in their soul. They believe them with all of their heart, Lord, and that they never, ever forget them. Help us remember that the pain of this life um, can bring us closer to you and can help us love you and trust you more. Um, Help us to engage with the emotions you gave us and use them to bring us to your feet. We love you so much, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. So I don't know about you, this book was a surprise to me. It just was, I didn't know how much help I needed, I guess, to engage my emotions. I hope it stretched you, I hope you feel it true too. Um, it's just been a true privilege to walk through this book with you guys. And I really wanna thank you for your kindness and your grace to me. You've just been, you've made this very easy and sweet. So thank you very much. Um, be easy and sweet still by please getting a snack from that back table (laughs) so that myself or my children don't have a lot to consume after church. Um, So please grab something and then um, meet in your groups. My group will meet back there. Anne, are you up here? And then is there another group that meets? And where are you? Over there. Okay. Thanks, guys.